Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. Today, I have the pleasure to interview the one and only Adam Cox on how to get featured on media consistently. Adam, for those of you that don't know him, is a Harley Street hypnotherapist and is widely known to be the UK's leading phobia expert and was called the phobia guru by the media. Famous for single-session phobia treatment, he went from crippling anxiety to self-made millionaire. Now, you might be wondering, why now do we have a phobia expert talking about media? Well, he gets featured consistently on the mainstream media, and also he has a PR company. In fact, in this interview, Adam shares how he gets consistently featured on the main media channels. We talked about how to find journalists, how to get on media, and also how to create stories that will get media attention. So this is a crucial episode for you. I often get features of media and the amount of reach that I get just because of tapping into these huge audiences that media have is worth millions in PR. So make sure you understand how to get these millions in PR for for, for for free. <laughs> so if you want to read the transcript um, of the interview, you can go at gtex.org.uk forward slash 214. And also you can scroll down to connect with Adam. There are all these links as well. Now, before we get started, just quick thing. If you want to make six figures presentation and become awesome at selling from the stage without compromising your integrity, I've created the ultimate selling from the stage checklist, which is the most comprehensive checklist to create a pitch that sells without using manipulative or sleazy techniques. So we absolutely love it. And also remember that if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe right now and join our private Facebook community, Explode Your Expert Biz community, to get in touch with all our guests and to get bonus trainings. Now, it's time to get started. Enjoy the show, how to get featured on media consistently with Adam Cox. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. Today, I'm here with the one and only Adam Cox. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing very well. Very well. Great to be on the show. Awesome. Great to have you here. So we are going to talk uh, all about PR and the media. How do we get on media? We know it's important. We know media can open a lot of doors, can give us a lot of eyeballs to our personal brand and our business. But how do we get there? This is the question we're going to answer today. And Adam, I know you have two different sides of your business. So let's explore what uh, brought you here today and teaching also and helping people to get media appearances. Mm. So I I had a a real passion for um, psychology and personal development. So from the age of about 18 um, onwards, I kind of stumbled across, um, you know, early Tony Robbins and kind of think and and grow rich and all this kind of stuff and, and just kind of had a real addiction to learning as much as I could about how people think. And one of the areas, because I was doing a psychology degree at the time, mm-hmm. that I was really interested in was the psychology of influence. Um, so, you know, guys like Robert Cialdini, for example, and um, the different techniques and psychological principles behind influence, I was fascinated by. 
Yeah. And, um, and, and I also stumbled across some material by Richard Bandler, uh, which was taking the principles of NLP, which I'd learned about from a therapeutic perspective, about applying it to sales and, and influence. Mm -hmm. So the book was called Persuasion Engineering. And I became absolutely obsessed and, and kind of was interested really in, in two things. Originally at that point, when I was 21 years old, I thought I wanted to be um, a sports psychologist, so a coach helping people you know, become exceptional athletes, but discovered that at that age, um, that actually there were more people graduating mm -hmm. with postgraduate qualifications in sports psychology than yeah. there were professional athletes. So <laughs> for me, I was also very money motivated. So I thought, well, there's not really a market there if there's too many you know, psychologists and not enough athletes. So I kind of thought, well, what, what is the industry of influence? And, and stumbled across this kind of profession called sales. And, and thought, you know, I want to learn how to get exceptionally good at selling. So I did some work experience at a radio station um, and um, was offered a job um, to sell radio advertising yep. and um, loved the process of, um, let's say, influence and, and selling, but realized that advertising is the industry of irritating people in 30 second adverts. Um, so, so just really decided that, you know, people loved radio, people loved the media, but they didn't like um, adverts because they found them cheesy and irritating and annoying. Mm -hmm. So I kind of looked at, well, what's the industry of influencing rather than decisions, influencing people's attitudes and beliefs? And I discovered that that industry was called public relations. Like that, mm -hmm. That's the industry of influencing attitudes, belief systems, and the thoughts and the positioning that you have for different brands. So went from working in a radio station to working in a PR agency and discovered that many people didn't understand that radio had a huge audience reach. So mm -hmm. I had very basic skills at that point. I knew how to sell, I knew about radio, and I knew the basics of PR at the age of about 21, 22. So I decided to set up my own company. So at the age of 23, I set up a company called The Relations Group, mm -hmm. um, which has been going now for more than 17 years, um, having worked with huge brands, getting them coverage you know, to millions and millions of people. Um, but it all came from an interest in psychology and this kind of idea of how do I turn my, my passions and my interests into first of all, a career, and then into a business. That, that's really how it all came about. Wow. So it, when, I mean, you were saying some some really uh, interesting things, in particular, when you mentioned uh, your passion for psychology and starting reading books from Tony Robbins, Richard Bandler, and Robert Cialdini from the age of 18, 21. And I'm curious, is was that part of your curricula? I mean, there were were these books that were given to you by university, by your teachers, by your professors, or was something that you stumbled across because of your interest at that age? Yeah, my my interest came from um, being in a in a in a not a great situation. So in my first year of university, um, I developed severe anxiety. So there was a point where I couldn't even leave my apartment, I was, I was that kind of riddled with anxiety. So part of my interest in, in reading books about psychology and changing beliefs and, and, and managing emotional states really came from me trying to fix myself. Um, so the, 
the course material to, to have a degree in psychology is very academic. It's very yeah. dry, not very practical, lots of, you know, dates and information and studies, not, not very usable. Um, for me, I was attracted to the, the, the application of psychology rather than the understanding mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So I was very interested in finding out what worked and I was happy to, to test that on me. And, and, you know, I think where the interest in sales came from is because um, I was interested in, in, you know, after I got through my, my anxieties, it's kind of like, well, can I use this stuff to have a better quality of life? Because at the age of 21, I didn't have any properties, I didn't have any assets, I didn't mm -hmm. have any savings. So I was kind of thinking, well, can I use these this similar skill set that's enabled me to no longer have these anxieties and, and this kind of paralysis to actually start, you know, having an income? And, yeah. and the, the metaphor for me that I looked at sales was very much treating it like a martial art that, you know, it, it's kind of like there are certain things that you can never get good at just by reading about. You can't you can't read how to be you know, a, a swimmer. You can't read how to be a martial artist. You have to do these things and constantly refine it to be able to get good. So I looked at sales as almost like a martial art and I was willing to read lots of books and kind of learn from mm -hmm. lots of different people. But unless you actually go, go out there and do it, yeah. you're, you're never going to get good. I 100% agree with you. Um, I want to stay there a bit uh, still when you were 21 and uh, thinking about your inner circle at the time. Were the people that you were hanging around with interested in also the things that you were interested? Uh, the reason why I'm asking this question, it is because it feels like if I have to compare, you know, a lot of the average 21-year-old men or boys, you know, they, they rarely think about having properties or having a business or, you know, improving their sales ability. Uh, they're more like going to the club and getting wasted. So <laughs> I, I was... Uh, was your passion also reflected in your inner circle or did you have to find other people or did you face it by yourself? How was that for you? Yeah, for, for me, as a result of the high levels of anxiety and, and one of the anxieties that I had was social anxiety. So the idea of meeting people and, you know, crowds of people were terrifying for me, you know, in my, you know, at the age of 18, 19. So mm -hmm. as a result of that, I, I didn't have you know, a, a, a large, uh, friendship group, you know, there was a few people that I, that I knew. So, you know, I, I had to kind of, in in a way, exploit the fact that, um, you know, almost like turn the negative into a positive, the fact that I had, you know, more time and less kind of friendships and less kind of temptations to kind of get distracted for me, it was about, well, one, I didn't want to have these anxieties. You know, I did I did want to have, you know, a large friendship group and, mm -hmm. you know, relationships and all this kind of stuff. So that was the mo that was the fuel for me to start learning. But actually, um, at that time, you know, my my inner circle was pretty much me. So so I had to kind mm -hmm. of look to the the authors of these books and, you know, no YouTube back then, you know, as a case <laughs> of you have to actually read all this stuff. Um, and they became, you know, I, I would say my inner circle were people like Richard Bandler and Tony Robbins and Dale Carnegie and, and people like this, because I was spending all my time learning what they had to say. So I kind of yeah. filled my head with with that kind of information. Uh, thank you very much for sharing. I was very curious because I started you know, my business when I was 22 and uh, um, I 
like I literally all my inner circles since I was 22 were people that were 30, 35, 40 plus. And so I was reflecting, I was meeting some friends from Italy last day and we started reflecting on, you know, the inner circles that we had. And uh, right now that the majority of the people in my inner circle are 40, 50 plus as well, uh, while I'm 30. And uh, this has been mainly driven by interest because I couldn't find people that had the same passion of entrepreneurship, psychology, coaching, training, sales, marketing like I had in a, around my peers. Uh, also, I came from an industry, you know, with the, uh, the catering industry, which is uh, not like uh, is not renowned for having. Uh, this very deep, meaningful conversation. Let's put it this. Way. <laughs> Let's put it this way. So, thank you for sharing, Adam. Really appreciate it. So now we are talking about uh, the the media industry because uh, you have been featured uh, and you're consistently getting featured on uh, uh, newspapers, on radio, television. You're helping your clients doing that, uh, as well as helping your clients also with their phobia. So you have these two different side of the business. Focusing on uh, the media side, uh, let's start from uh, beginners and then we are going to move on to people that have been more established in business. So if I'm someone who is starting out and I say, okay, Adam, listen, I need to do something. I know I need to get out there, but I'm just starting out. What would you recommend in that scenario? And if you can give us also some examples. Yeah, totally. So I think I think first of all, the the area of confusion for people that aren't that experienced with public relations or media relations is that they confuse it with advertising. So the the simplest way of kind of introducing what media relations or public relations is, is that if you're having to pay um, someone, you know, for space or time or an article, that's advertising. Mm -hmm. And if you're securing that coverage as a result of influencing someone. Um, then it's it's PR, it's media relations. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem that a lot of startups have when it comes to media relations is that they are so obsessed with acquiring clients and so obsessed with growing the business that they are constantly analyzing for cost per acquisition, conversion rates, all the kind of things that you can do in digital marketing, but you don't really get those benefits from public relations. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to kind of manage any, you know, startups expectations with it's good. What, 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 what is the PR meant to do for them? And, and what it's great at is it's great at building awareness. It's great at positioning the authority or spokesperson or the brand as, as, a, as an expert in their particular area. It's great for credibility. Mm -hmm. It's great to... Um, cost effectively raise the profile and um, have that high level of positioning, but it's not great at generating new clients. That can happen as a side effect, but it's not really the purpose. It also has the benefit for uh, any online coverage that many of the articles online will be happy to give a link back to a website. And therefore, the benefit of that is that it can enhance your um, domain authority, your your page authority, and your and your ranking, so you can get more organic traffic to your site. So, yeah. but but it's not 
the same level of control that you can get by doing Facebook ads and, and um, pay-per-click. So there's a saying that that is kind of, you know, advertising is what you pay for and PR is what you pray for. And, and what it really means is that what you lose in control, because you can't control the advertising, a journalist is going to decide what they want to write yeah. about you. But what you lose in control, you get back in credibility and in the, in the sense that it's more cost effective because you don't have to pay for it, but you do lose that control. Um, so one of the first things I would say for a startup is to understand that different tools do different jobs. And it would be ludicrous to, you know, look at a hammer and, and complain that it can't saw a piece of wood. You know, it's a different <laughs> tool. Um, so I would I would say PR is meant to do something very different from those Facebook ads, those Google ads you know, the direct marketing um, that you're doing. It's more similar, I would say, to things like Facebook Live and, and podcasts like this in the sense yeah. that um, you get you get the authority, you get the um, you get a, an engaged audience, but don't expect it to create a flurry of new clients. It's not designed to do that. So it's more about credibility uh, at the beginning. So you're using PR to build your credibility, to get eyeballs, not necessarily with a call to action to get clients. Uh, but because of, uh, that's also has been my experience and probably yours, because of this amount of credibility and eyeballs that you drive, then you create a buzz for your business that then in return then generate clients. Am I correct saying that? Totally. And, and you know, it, it's the long game. It's not the short mm, game. Yes. You know, if, you, if you're doing, you know, let's say some kind of buy one, get one free offer or some discount on Groupon, that might that might be sufficient to sell certain tickets or certain amount. But it's tactical, you know, mm -hmm. and I would say um, PR can be tactical, but the, the long game is really where it's at. And, you know, I, I manage my clients' expectations and say, look, you know, you've got to look at this as a drip, drip, drip effect. Uh, you know, over time, it can really help with positioning. It can really yeah. help with your credentials. And, and you can leverage that by all the, I mean, if you, if anyone was to go to phobiaguru.com, for example, and you click the press section, you're going to see me featured on radio, TV. So although I do this for major brands, when I decided to become a uh, hypnotherapist and, and, and revisit my passion for psychology, mm -hmm. I thought, well, look, what, 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 what skills do I have that the average hypnotherapist doesn't have? And, and one of those is that, well, I've run a business for nearly 20 years, so I have business skills. But equally, I've got a unique ability to get public relations coverage that mm -hmm. the average person doesn't normally have the ability to get. So, yeah. you know, if you were to put um, phobia expert in Google, I'm, I'm literally the first name, not even on the first page, but the first name that comes up on Google for organic search as a result of just all the media coverage that I'm getting consistently. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the, the benefits are um, absolutely, it will eventually acquire to, you know, convert to clients. But to begin with, um, it's not really designed to do that. And, and the best way to get started is just to understand that the media need content. Okay, so let's explore yeah. that. Yeah. So you said you mentioned the the media needs content. Um, so how if I'm if someone is starting, you know, I found that uh, is easier for me now to get media exposure, which I have much more credibility and other media's behind me, rather than at the very beginning. So if you're getting started, what what is the first approach? 
that someone should take in order to get media saying, actually, I trust you, I think you're a credible source, let me get some content from you. Yeah, the, the first is a willingness to do it. You know, there are... That's a very good point. <laughs> because opportunities will come up all the time to be featured in an article, um, featured, um, you know, on air as a guest, you know, and, and quite often, you know, I, I get coverage when any other hypnotherapist might be able to get coverage, but I'm just willing to do it. You know, and they say, right, are you are you able to give us a quote on this or are you able to talk about this topic? And so long as I can find a link between my expertise and that topic, I'll do it, which means I get coverage, even if there are more suitable people that should be getting that coverage just because I've got the willingness to do it. So I, I would say embrace it. And, and I think sometimes, particularly with um, people in, the, in, in certain professions, they have got an element of imposter syndrome where they think, oh, there's probably someone better placed to, to talk about this topic. And, you know, am, am I am I good enough? Am I knowledgeable enough? Mm -hmm. And 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 if you if you filled with those doubts, opportunities will come by to get coverage and you'll miss them. And you'll and you'll sit on the sidelines seeing someone else grow their brands when those opportunities could be for you. So, first of all, it's it's have a willingness and, and, and understand that, you know, if the if the journalist doesn't get that content from you they're either going to find someone else or they won't run that story so you have nothing to lose by saying yes i'll do it because if the content yeah. isn't good enough they have an editing process that mean it won't it won't go out so you have nothing to lose you know let them decide if your content is good enough don't make that decision for them so have the willingness to do it um and then secondly um look at the media titles that would make sense for you to be in you know so if you're if you are let's say a coach for example um yeah. in a particular niche then look at the look at the blogs look at the podcasters look at the magazines look at the websites that cover that content and start cultivating very basic relationships let them know what you are able to talk about and it's so easy to to do it because with journalists their email address is quite often you know, easy to find. It's normally yeah. first name, dot last name at whatever the domain of the site that they're on. Or they'll even advertise their, um, you know, Twitter handle actually on the article itself. So you can just kind of direct message them. You know, there's lots of ways of, of making contact. But if you never make contact, you'll never, they don't know you exist. So to begin with, you've got to reach out to journalists. You've got to let them know that you're willing and able to talk about it. And you have to have clear positioning as well, because if you say, Look, I can talk about anything, then the journalists don't know when to call you. So that's why, you yeah. know, for, for my phobia brand, I, I you know, I have phobia guru. Um, you know, I, if I just labeled myself a clinical hypnotherapist, well, then they don't know when to call me. Hmm. Whereas if I say, Look, I specialize in, in phobias, that way, if there's any articles or stories about phobias or anxiety, they're going to call me because I've got that 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 clearer brand positioning yeah. so they know you know what 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 i'm able to talk about so it, it helps to specialize but then when you specialize you need to know when you need to know what you're talking about because they'll they'll they will sniff out um you know blagging or incompetence but as long as you do know what you're talking about then have that willingness to talk about it and think in terms of what they need you know yeah. and, and too often uh, the 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 pitfall or the mistake that people make when it comes to pr is they think it's an opportunity to sell a product mm. and it isn't because the the journalist and the audience don't want to buy your product they want to have an interesting story to talk about 
Yes. And you'll get your, you'll get your opportunity to plug your brand or your website or your product, but don't use PR as a selling opportunity. Use it to genuinely showcase your expertise and your um, strategies or your knowledge and how you will use it to showcase what problems you can solve and then the right audience will come to you um, but that that's the mistake that that people make particularly um, when they're starting out is they think all oh, right I've you know mm -hmm. I've got this product or I've got this offer and it just it sounds really awkward and it sounds you know cringeworthy you know so yeah. you know don't don't you know and it's a privilege to be invited onto the media so don't abuse that privilege yeah. I completely agree with you. I remember I had actually an interview for quite a large radio show and uh, what they wanted is a guest where their parents got divorced uh, uh, while they were teenagers to explore like what was the impact as a teenager of uh, from the divorce and how they grew up as adults. And uh, that uh, actually gave me literally hundreds of thousands of people listening to, to myself and my story, whether, and it was not at all related to what I was doing or business, but that led up, led to other media opportunities and other people following me because I was able, you know, every now and then I was talking about entrepreneurship and the thing that I was doing linked to the topic of my parents' divorce when I was 14. And I think so you made a great point there. You mentioned before we move on the like more the advanced strategies, uh, strategies, someone has been in business for a while before we move there. Uh, you mentioned reach out to journalists and let them know what you do, let them know what you talk about and what you mm. specialize on. What do you find is the best way to reach out to journalists? So you, you mentioned the emails. Uh, is that the most effective way or do you find that there are better ways or other ways that complement email what's your take on that yeah so I, I guess there's i guess there's how you communicate with them and then what vehicle you use so i would say the classic way of communicating to media in general would be the, the device is known as a press release so it's a it's a structured word file um, that has a headline top lines and then an introduction to the story normally quotes from perhaps you as an expert um, and, and you're and, and it's almost like you're giving them the ingredients to, to write a story it, it doesn't read like an article but it reads like you're giving them all the bits that they can then turn into an article and then at the end there's a notes to editor section so if they need any more information about your credentials or your website and things like that then you have you just give them all the information that they need to write a story and, and sometimes if there's a, a topic or an angle or a story that you you have already a press release is a good reason to get in contact with the right kind of people because you're saying, look, hey, this is ready to go. You can you can turn this into an article. You're giving them permission to use your content, you know, or ingredients to turn it into content. Um, and normally I would I would email that in the first instance. And then I have a team here so that the team would follow it up with a mm -hmm. phone call normally. But if you didn't have a team and it was just you, then feel free to to phone them. You know, for pe people are. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a phobia expert. People are terrified <laughs> of, of calling people. You know, they're 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 you know. And what what's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is that you catch them at a busy time and they they wind the call down. But people are terrified of the phone. So if you're actually able to speak to someone, you immediately differentiate yourself, and they then then they can hear your passion. They can hear your credentials based on what you what you say. Um, so, so I would say that's one 
opportunities, the press release. But mm-hmm. even if you're just introducing yourself in terms of what you do and what you specialize in, um, a quick email with maybe uh, an introductory video or just, you know, sometimes just kind of the kind of things that you can talk about, your area of expertise, your bio, you know, your your credentials, it's useful. They might, they might yeah. just kind of drag and drop that into, you know, their little folder where if any stories come up that are relevant to that, suddenly you're on hand as a resource that they could contact. Don't expect miracles straight away. And 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 I would say the another pitfall that people starting out with PR is that they consider it too much hassle. You know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, I've got to I've got to write this and then email this and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, yeah, look, it's not easy, but by doing it, you can get thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, you know, of free coverage that you don't have to pay for advertising which is really credible that can help grow your brand and and you know all these wonderful things just by doing what either other people don't know how to do or are scared to do so absolutely if if you have something like on your website uh, as seen on the bbc or as seen on the the local church hall uh, what's more important? What's more powerful in terms of branding? Of course, as seen on the BBC. Mm-hmm. Even if at a local church hall, you might do a great job there, but mm. people will trust the BBC more, the local church hall. So, very, very important. Thank you for clarifying it and sharing with us the ways in which we can reach out to journalists. And of course, if someone has a, a phobia or is afraid to call, then you know where to go now, okay? <laughs> so make sure you get in touch with Adam if, if you're struggling with that. Uh, now, let's uh, move to the, to if someone is already uh, been in business for a while, already got featured, so they know what they're talking about, they don't have uh, any kind of imposter syndrome, they know their worth, and they want to get out there and uh, get on media. Do you have the say? Do you use the same strategy of someone starting out, or are there something, some things that we have to do different in this case? Yeah, I mean, of course, you could still do the basic strategy of introducing, you know, let's say whoever the spokesperson or expert is. Um, press releases are just a vehicle, but then there are lots of different tactics that you can deploy within a press release. So one of them, for example, is um, what's known as a, a proactive release. So there are dates in the calendar all the time. You know, in March, we've got dates like International Women's Day, um, for example. We, we have a client um, actually in our studios. They're going to be broadcasting to about two million people because they have a message relevant to, to women uh, and about the empowerment of women on International Women's Day. So the timing's right. So sometimes there are dates in the, yeah. in the diary that are just relevant to talk about particular um, topics. So, you know, those, those proactive platforms are really, are really great. It might be someone listening to this right now has, you know, something relevant that relates to Brexit or relates to mums, you know, and, and you can be creative. Like Mothering Sunday, for example, you could look at it at a most basic level of gifts for mum. So anyone selling something which would be a desirable gift to mum, it's a reason to go out to the media and say, well, hey, mm-hmm. this is this is possible. But what if you're a fertility brand? What if you help people become pregnant that can't become pregnant? Then Mothering Sunday is, is a very relevant timing, but from a different angle. So the, the, the this phrase angle is really important because it's, it's really the creative element of turning an idea into a newsworthy story. Yep. Um, so you could have uh, a proactive platform. You can also newsjack. So the process of newsjacking is that there are breaking stories every single day 
we're currently working with a, a language learning company uh, called Rosetta Stone. And that's because yep. in the newspapers last week, um, and I think it was it was when I learned, I learned English through their course. Ah, excellent. So you're, 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 <laughs> I'm a client. I'm a client. That's it. So to give you an idea, there was a in every single newspaper last Wednesday, um, they were talking about how the number of students taking languages in secondary education had fallen by 40 percent. OK, so we saw that story and we newsjacked it and we said, right, if language learning is, um, let's say, in decline within the classroom, what are the innovative ways that people can learn a language outside of the classroom? And we mm. and we approach brands like uh, Duolingo and Rosetta Stone and Linguaphone and all these kind of brands. So, you know, these tactics that can work for a startup can absolutely work for a massive brand. And we're now going to have Rosetta Stone in the studio next week um, doing talking about how uh, companies can introduce the same technology so that their employees can learn languages. So we build mm. it around their messages. But that's just an example of uh, reacting to the news agenda, also known as newsjacking. And there are lots yep. of different tactics. One of the one of the things to look out for if someone wants a really efficient way of, of doing it um, is on, on Twitter and on certain media platforms. Um, you can look for the hashtag um, journalist request or journo request and journalists are constantly requesting for experts, for content, for topics to talk about. And simply by almost kind of like evaluating those and then getting in contact when there's something relevant. I mean, I've, I've been featured in, you know, huge, you know, TV channels and, and radio stations and massive newspapers like the, the Guardian, the Telegraph and, and the likes simply by responding to a request for an expert you know and 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 by doing that quickly you can get some fantastic coverage so there are lots of different tactics that you can deploy but strategically you you want to know what's your area of expertise and how can you turn that into interesting content that would be appealing for the media and their audiences so strategically it's a content-based strategy but there are lots of tactics about how you get that um, that that content mm -hmm. out there to the right people at the right time. No, that that's so useful, Adam. Thank you very much for sharing. So we have few ideas here. We have news jacking. We can look at the hashtag of uh, journal request. Um, we can uh, look at the dates in the calendars or some festivities that we can align our content on. So there is uh, all these things that we can do if we are already out there and also if you are starting out, but of course, if you're already out there, it becomes, uh, becomes way easier in, uh, in that way. You have already some credibility. Uh, I would love to add as well one thing that uh, uh, I know Adam has and helped me out a lot in, uh, in what you're sharing, which is also having a kind of a media page. Uh, for people like w when you share this on your website I actually during the interview now I went on your website and stalked you a bit uh, <laughs> and look at your uh, your coverage page and, and you know someone goes to that page they can see from you that uh, actually yes you, you have been featured in places uh, you uh, and the, the, there is there are videos there are there are all the pictures and the images and uh, I think that if you've been already featured somewhere else, create a page like that. So then when the media are going to check you out, you can send it in or you can send it to a journalist and immediately they can see, oh, this person is credible. Let's get them in because they've been featured elsewhere. So 
This... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really valuable uh, thing. And if, and if you went on Phobia Guru, if anyone did, and went to my press section, you'll see that the first few articles weren't in impressive publications. I think it was in Wellbeing News and, you know, or some local newspaper. But from that, it then helped me to get on BBC Five Live and then in mm. The Guardian and then in The Metro and then in, you know, glossy magazines, celebrity magazines and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, don't don't expect, you know, you know, some people say, well, I want to be on Oprah. I want to be on the Ellen show. And it's kind of like, well, yes, you might do. But the idea that a researcher for Oprah is going to go to you if you don't have any other coverage and then think <laughs> that you're the right person. Good luck. You to, yeah. You need to build up that credibility first. You need to build Absolutely. up, you know, your, your own brand so that it reaches a point where they think, ah, you know, of course I can feel comfortable inviting you on my show because you've been on so many other shows. So, you know, if you're on radio show, like on, on, on my website, you'll, there's lots of SoundCloud clips. Yeah. So people can hear me on, on radio or there's lots of YouTube clips of me on TV. So then they, then any other journalist or producer would have confidence in inviting me on because they can already see that I am knowledgeable about these, mm -hmm. these topics. And, and also that you risk. can talk to camera as well. Uh, or well. you can talk to a microphone <laughs> because you know sometimes you can go on television they get you in and then you don't get a callback sometimes it's not because of what you say but how you say it <laughs> you know you need to be a good material for for that uh, for, for the, the media and uh, uh, um, before having like a media page if you you know, don't have a website or you can also collect all your interviews uh, in an excel spreadsheet uh, I know sometimes I would uh, also just send a, you know an Excel spreadsheet with all the media interviews that I had, and that's also enough for a journalist to to see it. So don't let you maybe your lack of technology or lack of website to stop you from uh, oh now I need to create an impressive media page and I don't have this kind of things. You can always start somewhere and then build it up. And you can use Adam's website page as a brilliant example on how he uses it to get on media consistently. That's so, it. And, and you can also leverage on social media. You know, once you've got this coverage, oh yeah, you know, then then you know, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, you know, put it on Twitter, and and just say, look, you know, and and, and people love that because it's social proof. You mm -hmm. know, there's there's this weird thing where you know I was getting really successful as a as a phobia expert, but it but, and and my you know. It was only when I got featured in like massive publications that members of my own family would say, oh, can you help with this? It's kind of like, <laughs> why, why, why did it take me to be featured in the national media for them to then say, <laughs> so it's, it's the same psychology. It's the same yes. psychology with everyone. It's absolutely, kind of like absolutely. People are waiting for you to get the seal of approval. If that makes sense. Now, okay, now you're good to go. You, you, we can mm. trust you, even if you are our own family. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't trusting you before in this stuff, but now I do. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. So let's now move to the to the section of uh, called the lifting the veil, where I ask all our guests to share something, maybe an app or a book or a software or. Um, a read or a blog something that you are using uh, that makes a difference to your business or life what's that for you adam so i would i would say for, for me um i i as as a typical entrepreneur i constantly take on new projects new goals i'm constantly spinning plates you know and and you know in addition to running my businesses and my hypnotherapy practice i i invest in property and you know I, I do lots of things so for me the app that's really helped me um are productivity apps um and 
Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, the, the GTD system, the, the Getting Things Done system by mm-hmm. David Allen. Um, and Tony Robbins has a version, a version called Rapid Planning Method, yep. the RPM system. So one, one is the philosophy of clarifying outcomes rather than activities and then managing that in a certain way. And, and there's two um, apps or bits of software that I use, and I use them both because they both do slightly different things to help me manage my outcomes. The first is um, an app called Trello. Um, so I have lots of Trello boards and, and they mm-hmm. do different things. So I have a Trello board that is my vision board. So my my large outcomes, and then I'll have a Trello board for all of my hypnosis clients. I'll have a Trello board for all of my live campaigns across my company, all in different stages. And it basically means that you can, you can have a snapshot of what's going on to and constantly evaluate and make new priorities. Um, and, and recently, mm-hmm. I've um, started using a uh, an app and software called Asana, which I, I basically call it, it. It's Trello on steroids. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it um, it's it's essentially you still get the functionality of different boards and priorities, but you've got the ability to assign tasks to other people and have um, a lot more um, ability to not miss things. And and I think anyone. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard enough if you've got one business or if you've got like a few goals that you're doing. But then, you know, the more that you've got, the more you have to rely on systems and processes to make sure that you don't miss something. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Trello and, and Asana to to make sure that and I don't get it right all the time. You know, I, I will miss the occasional thing, but it helps to give me a sense of control and, and to ensure that I don't have everything buzzing around my head. You know, I want to use my, you know, my my brain power to solve problems and create ideas and to execute things. I don't want it as a storage device if I can mm. use other things to do that. That's such a great piece of advice here, particular the, the metaphor of, <laughs> of your brain, not as a storage device, a storing device. Uh, yes, guys, really important in terms of the way you prioritize your time. Uh, thank you for sharing those great resources. So Trello and Asana, we'll put the links in the show notes so you can check them out. Uh, so thank you, Adam, for sharing. Now, it's time to wrap up. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show, Adam. If people say would they want to reach out to you because uh, maybe they have uh, phobias, I mean, we haven't talked about that, but we know you're good. And uh, also they want help in their business to get featured on media. What's the best way to get in touch with you and what do you have for, for, our, for our audience? Yeah, so on the, on the phobia side, if there's any, anyone with a phobia, all you need to know is that I, you know, I'm, I'm famous for being able to get rid of phobias in a single session. Um, so if you were interested in working with me on the phobia side, then if you put phobia guru in, in Google, um, or go to phobiaguru.com, or even if just to just to check that my SEO is still working, if you put phobia expert in Google, I should be the first name that comes up. Uh, I can and say I, it is because during the interview, I went to check it actually, and yes, first name on Google. So yep, <laughs> it is so working. Phobia phobia expert. Then I'm, I'm still there. Um, so uh, and and I offer a free 30 minute consultation call. So if you have got any fears phobias that you want to discuss, I will do that absolutely without charge. Um, so that's on the, on the phobia side from the, from the PR side, um, normally it's big brands that we work with on the broadcast side, but I do have a, uh, a course, um, so a, a branding bootcamp and a system that can enable experts and authorities to actually start doing a PR system. 
um, and that's very low cost. Um, and uh, so I would say go to relationsgroup.co.uk. You'll see my company website there, lots of case studies of what we've done for massive brands like IBM and Microsoft and big pharma companies and things like that. But we use the same approaches to help um, smaller businesses and expert businesses to um, get thousands upon thousands of pounds worth of free coverage as well. So that would be relationsgroup.co.uk. Fantastic. So Phobia Guru and relationsgroup.co.uk. Adam, thank you again for being on the show. Guys, make sure you reach out to Adam. And uh, I've seen him speak. We met live at an event. We were both speaking. And yes, it's absolutely the real deal. Get in touch with him. It can help you out. Uh, Adam, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Take care. Uh, it's my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and being with us. If you haven't subscribed yet to the show, subscribe right now in this moment so you don't miss any other amazing episode like the one we had today. Also, let us know what do you like about this show. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes and then send me the screenshot at simone at gtex.org.uk. I will personally respond and I'll send you a little gift. So write the review going there right now. Thank you very much for listening or watching. And remember that together we grow exponentially. Bye for now. <laughs>